Welcome to Heroes of Brand Protection Podcast, Episode 33. I'm your host, Daniel Shapiro, a Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at RedPoints, the world's fastest growing digital revenue recovery platform with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeiting from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today. Please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be talking with Bence Mazzocchi, Senior IP Counsel at Mars. Bence wanted to be a few things when he was a young boy. He wanted to be a professional soccer player and a rap artist. Nowadays, our guests would like to become a stand-up comedian while still being an IP lawyer. Meanwhile, he is an experienced in-house counsel, recognized by the World Trademark Review as one of the leading trademark professionals in the food and beverage industry worldwide. He specializes in creating and executing enforcement strategies, leading trademark litigation work, and advising on how to build a strong global trademark portfolio. His creative thinking and no-nonsense approach towards tackling infringements helped Mars acquire a reputation as a company that enforces its IP rights in a strategic and consistent way. So, are you ready to listen to this hero of brand protection story? Ben, thank you for joining us today. It's uh, wonderful to have you as our guest on our podcast. Thank you, Daniel. Welcome, everybody. I'm really happy to be here with you today. So to, to maybe uh, uh, warm us up, Ben, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, when you think about uh, pineapple on a pizza, is that something you would ever think is an official item to go on top of a pizza or not? That's a hard question, Daniel, to start with. It's a tricky one, but I have an answer. As a child, the answer was absolutely yes, but as an adult, I would rather not. <laughs> very, very good. But you have done it. That's the, that's, the, that's the key thing, right? When I think about experiences that happen to all of us in life, sometimes in our experiences, there's, a, there's an experience that is one of these funny moments that you tend to share with your friends when you're having a beer. Do you have one of those funny experiences that you tend to share with people when you meet them or you're having a, a beer with? Yes, sure, Daniel. I think some of the most joyful uh, memories for me revolve around rap music or hip hop music, surprisingly or not. I myself uh, am a songwriter as well as a, a rapper, as a, as a hobby of mine. And we used to have these events with the Hungarian IP Association back in the day where they had karaoke nights almost every single time. And, and I was a regular participant and, and I enjoyed those those moments very much. More recently with my current job at Mars, I wrote a rap song during COVID, about COVID, surprisingly, and I I won internal awards for that within the legal team as one of the funniest and most creative pieces that was shared during a, a difficult time for everybody. Well, listen, I, I wish we could have a, a few uh, segments from your COVID rap song just to sort of hear the rap. I don't know if you need back, background music or not, but that would be awesome one day if, if not today. One day, maybe. I still have to think about it. 
I haven't listened to it in a long while, but perhaps that's a good thing. All right. We'll get together one time when you give me the COVID wrap. So maybe share with us, Vince, when you were a young man, what did you want to be when you grew up? Or maybe even today as a, a person, what do you want to be when you grow up? Good question. You always grow, don't you? You always try and develop. I think as a child, I wanted to be a footballer, as we say in Europe, a soccer player, as you would call it in the US. That didn't work out, obviously. I, I wasn't talented enough. And then I also wanted to be a rap artist, which also didn't work out. Clearly, I'm not good enough in that. And then nowadays, uh, my dream is to become a stand-up comedian, which probably I'm also not good good enough at. So uh, I, I will probably stick with uh, with law and, and IP law. Very good. Well, listen, now I have two things that have to happen. Next time I'm in London, I want to come to one of your stand-up concerts and then sort of hear the the COVID rap song. How did you how did you decide on this profession, like in that concept of footballer, you know, stand-up comedian, rapper? When did you, you know, position yourself into the, you know, your your profession as an IP lawyer? What when was that process, you know, sort of happened to you? I think it, it happened uh, during law school as well as after law school. And you might ask how did I end up in law school? But great question. I wouldn't do it again for sure. But uh, since I did it, I, I might as well make uh, some kind of a success of it. And as a young lawyer with an opportunity to join an, an IP law firm back in Budapest, Hungary, it felt like a logical choice to make. It felt like an area that was always interesting for me within law. And it still is interesting. So I think, I suppose, within law, Intellectual property is something that I, I was always excited about. And, and when the opportunity presented itself, I did not hesitate to join that IP law firm. And then, then the rest is history, really. Yeah. And, and when, you, when you think about that as you got into IP law, et cetera, obviously you made a couple transitions. How did you, you know, take that transition uh, as, an I, as a lawyer, as an IP lawyer, working for an IP firm and then go in-house, as an example, into Mars. What was that transition all about? And how come you were ready at that particular point to sort of move in-house as opposed to external, you know? I think there are several factors there. And it's also worth mentioning that I relocated to the UK from Hungary when I made that move from private practice to to in-house. So I, I, I think that with that, it became even more, even bigger a move, if that makes sense. And I did want to be, be become an in-house lawyer. However, I did not expect that this would be in the UK, which, which was a, a fantastic opportunity at the time that I, I really wanted to grab. And I suppose what is really good about in-house is, uh, is how close you are to business, how close you are to decision-making how much better you understand projects from the very beginning until the end. The, the value that you add to the business is, for me, is, is much more than uh, from an external standpoint. That makes sense. And I guess my maybe follow-up is, you know, since making that move to both the UK and going in-house with Mars, and, and maybe for those people on the listening to our podcast today who may not be familiar with the company Mars, if you could 
maybe just share a little bit about what the company does, where you're based, how many different locations Mars operates around the world. Maybe the people will find that quite interesting. Sure, absolutely happy to speak about that. Mars uh, has three major business segments, snacking, pet care, and food. And it is essentially a major global manufacturer with several well-known brands such as M&M's, Snickers, Twix, Pedigree, Viscous, Royal Canin, Benz Original, Dolmio. It's the whole spectrum and it's, it's uh, one of the more well-known companies who have offices around the world. So I wouldn't be able to tell you, Daniel, in how many countries uh, Mars operates. I certainly know where I operate. I'm, I'm in the United Kingdom. Awesome. I, I, I myself, I'm not a huge candy person, but I have one, one sort of Achilles heel, which is peanut M&Ms. And I never do a road trip. I took my son and my daughter. She was a soccer player. My son was a baseball player. And even now, just recently, my wife and I were traveling to Montana to a beautiful national park. And I always have to have peanut M&Ms in the car because for some reason, it's the thing that keeps me sort of focused on the road is eating peanut M&Ms. So I buy a large bag and that's how I do all my road trips. I will remember that. And I think we will, we will maybe hire you for a commercial in the future. Yeah. The, how, to, how to road trip with peanut M&Ms. Exactly. So if you were to describe Mars in, in one sentence, how do you sort of wrap that into a sentence? What is the, the Mars company all about? I would say Mars is a purpose-driven company with a collaborative culture. That is the sentence that I would say describes Mars really well for me. Fantastic. And when you think of your role as, an I, as the senior IP counsel at, at Mars, what would you th- describe as maybe some of the most difficult tasks associated with your role and that you, you have to face head on on a regular basis? I think time pressure, we, we all face it, is something that is, is, is regular, a regular thing at Mars as well. But if I were to think about the, you know, the types of tasks and challenges, I would say potentially a global stakeholder management in cross-border deals or cross-border partnerships or indeed complex IP disputes also with, with retailers, for example, whom Mars works with as well. They, they are Mars customers as well. So I think those, those types of issues are both, both interesting and, uh, and challenging as well in this role. Yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure at, at that size of company, those would be significant challenges. When you think, uh, maybe for the audience who's listening to us today, when you think about maybe your top three strategies to sort of fight online fraud, is there, are there two, three things that come to mind in terms of the, top strategies for you? Sure. Yes, of course. And and just for the audience uh, throughout the interview, the views that I express are obviously mine and, and not those of Mars. The top three strategies that come to mind for myself are prioritization. So we do have to prioritize really well and we have to pick our battles in everything, but definitely when fighting online fraud, there's just too many things going on. You can't go after everything. You have to, secondly, you have to choose the the right technology, the right tech. I think there are several options out there, several companies and vendors. And I think it's incredibly important as the online actors get more and more sophisticated, 
to use the right technology to, to track them down. And thirdly, it's, it's about balancing uh, resources, about, about balancing internal resources, human resources, external resources, and also the budget around what you do and how you do it and, and how you do it efficiently. So I would say these three things. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And Benz, when you think about like those three strategies you mentioned, prioritization, technology, how has that adapted at Mars or ha- as you've been there, how have you sort of adapted that strategy? Maybe when you started it with something else and today, you know, how, how, do you, how do you think about that? I think with online brand enforcement in general, it was first used to supplement the enforcement we've been doing otherwise. So it, rather than the, the main thing, the main direction, it was supplementing other enforcement efforts. Whereas now, today, global online brand enforcement is the cornerstone of what we do in, in enforcement in general. It, it is the main thing. Detect, investigate, and stop infringements at a large scale is what, what, what it is all about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think, you know, when you think about people who may take your packaging, you know, or look alike and, and change that, that must be uh, something that happens quite often for you. We see it obviously in the CPG or uh, is that a challenge that you see sort of having to battle as well? Yes, regularly. I think the more famous you are, the more you are going to be copied. And a lot of actors don't copy your brand name, but copy everything else around it. So the whole look and feel of your packaging. And, and we get that a lot as a company, as a brand-led company, if you will. And what we do about it is essentially have a very sophisticated protection strategy for the whole of the packaging, the, the distinctive elements of the packaging. We have a nuanced approach when it comes to how to tackle these, these issues. It'll depend a lot on, on um, where we are in the world, what country, the type of infringer we are dealing with. And, and perhaps most importantly, we, we should not be afraid to take aggressive action where needed. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think about your profession here as an IP lawyer. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, is there a myth about IP lawyers that you'd want to debunk? And of course, after learning about your your rap skills, your comedy skills, etc., I already am thinking that you may not fit exactly into the same uh, shoebox of IP lawyers. But is there anything that you could share initially that uh, if you were to debunk a myth about IP lawyers like yourself, what would that be? Those skills that you mentioned, Danny, are very kind of you to mention it them again, but they are more like more dreams than 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 actual skills. I think one of the things that I that come comes to mind is that the myth that lawyers can be dull and and boring, or at least more boring than people in other professions. I think I'd have to say we're a diverse bunch of people, and at least some of us are fun to hang out with. <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah, I would agree. My last guest on the podcast was uh, John Merles, who's head of risk operations for Lilly Bank, which is a, a online uh, banking system in the U.S. And I asked him if he had a question about you that we should learn about you. And he wanted to ask you this question, which is, 
what are you currently doing to expand your own skill set and your own knowledge in this industry that you're in? I try to expand my skill set by regularly attending trainings, seminars, conferences, following emerging trends and topics online, reading about them everywhere where I can find them, and just in general, always be alert and ready to develop myself, never be satisfied with what I've achieved and, and just be curious and, and keep up with the, with the trends around you. Is there a go-to, I don't know, journal or blog or something that you read regularly to keep up those particular skill set? Is there one that you tend to check out more regularly than others? I think uh, there's a couple. The, the Trademark Lawyer magazine, I keep up to date with what Marks as an organization is doing, the brand owner organization, as well as World Trademark Review and Managing IP, I should say. All of those are are have very good resources. Good sources. Yeah, thank you. And then when you think about your career and you're speaking to a young person who's looking for a, advice on how to pursue a career similar to yours, what, what kind of things do you share with that person about thought process on how to manage their own upcoming career? I think the first thing that comes to mind is to think globally, be ready to explore other countries instead of thinking locally thinking uh, regionally, just think globally and be ready to move to, to a different country to explore different regions of the world. It opens up and your mind and it, it, it helps, I think, with a lot of things. Secondly, a cliche, but very true, work hard and, and never stop learning. And the third one for me is uh, lead with passion and authenticity. Some people, many people try to obviously fit in to where they are, but don't lose any of the passion and any of the uh, your authentic self in, in that process. Yeah, I know. I think that's super advice. And I think whether you want to be in your career path or almost any career path, certainly sound, three sound principles, I think, for for anyone to follow, regardless of their career path. Yes. When you think about yourself, was there someone who inspired you along the way that was sort of a mentor or an inspiration to you as you were moving forward in your career? Yes, yes. I would mention a couple of people from SBGK, the IP law firm in Budapest, Hungary. I would mention Aaron Laszlo and Peter Lukacsi, who have been sort of the dynamic duo, my, my two mentors when I first started practicing IP, and I learned a lot from them, from both of them in very different ways. I hope they are listening to this now. And then I think in general, those colleagues or people of my profession inspire me who, who excel in other things as well, not just IP, who will have fun along the way, who, who are good business people, for example, very good in business, which I'm, I'm not very good at. Julius Stops comes to mind, who's a, a friend of mine and, and uh, has built, built an incredible <laughs> empire of, of, of a law firm and, and brand protection service. So, so his name comes to mind as well, certainly. Thank you for sharing that. Super interesting. Our next guest following you on our podcast is going to be Nigar Kiramova. She's a trademark attorney at Essity. What would you like to ask her that would be helpful for us to learn about her when she does her podcast with us? Yes, Daniel. I, I think I would love to ask her the following question. 
what is the achievement you're most proud of in your life? That's a great question. And maybe if it's okay, if I ask you, Pence, what, what is your greatest achievement that you've had? Rookie mistake on my side, because I, I haven't uh, prepared an answer for, for this, actually. I tend to think that personal achievements should prevail over work achievements in many ways. They give, often give more long-lasting joy and, and happiness. And I'm certainly proud of some personal achievements as well as work achievements, but I, I wouldn't be able to pick one right now for you, Daniel. I have to disappoint you. No, 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 no disappointment. That's awesome. Now I want to just finish up our podcast, Vince, with four questions in 15 seconds. Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Favorite music, band, or singer? It'll have to be Tupac. Favorite book? Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Great. And if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? I can't choose between a good curry or, or a pizza. All right, good. And then what is your uh, go-to resource in order to keep up to date on brand protection? I would pick Marks and the World Trademark Review. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Benz, for joining us. Uh, it was great to learn about your story and how you got here. And I think the cliffhanger of today's podcast will be one day we'll bring you back for the COVID wrap up. Thank you very much, Daniel. And thank you to everyone who's listened to this podcast. And I'm making no promises, Daniel, about the rap <laughs> song. Maybe one day live somewhere, but uh, we will just have to wait and see if that happens. Yeah, maybe a brand protection rap. That'll be your next thing, like a generic brand protection uh, rap song. Oh my gosh, I regret mentioning this already. <laughs> <laughs> well, Benz, it was very interesting to learn about your journey and your insights in intellectual property enforcements. Benz provided us three brand protection strategies that I think are really important. Prioritization. We have to generally pick our battles, specifically when it comes to fighting online fraud. Choose a technology that best fits your needs as online actors get more and more sophisticated. Balance internal resources, both human capital and budget. Lookalike packaging happens quite often in the CPG industry. Benz confirms that the more well-known the brand is, the more likely it gets copied. Benz encourages brand protection professionals not to shy away from taking a rather aggressive action when needed. Well, that's it for us today. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, as well as LinkedIn and Twitter. If you don't want to miss a new episode that goes live, please subscribe to our podcast on any of your favorite platforms. Make it a good day. <laughs>